Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of A Matter of Truth. Feels like forever since Anthony and I have been on the mic together by ourselves, but here we are coming at you hot. (laughs) It's been a while, eh? It it has been a while. I mean, we did August with Doreen, which was uh, fantastic. Yeah, it was good. And and then we missed our August 31st launch date. because we were just terrible at scheduling and uh, I traveled and you had bad weather and I have bad weather today, tonight, yeah. right now. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, uh, it's like snowstorm and grizzly bears out there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Rain, rain, rain for sure. It's the end of yeah. summer stuff. East yeah. coast. And it's, it's like, uh, uh, you know, pleasant 75 and sunny here in Chicago. So is it really? It's it was a scorching nasty hot week last week, mm-hmm. like high nineties and like just nasty humidity. Like you walk outside and you will instantly lose five pounds. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. Uh, so it's been a wild ride, man. This summer just doesn't seem to let go, and uh, you know, the workload just kind of seems to be continuously coming. I just wrapped Romans on my Instagram page and uh, hopefully here in a couple of weeks, no hurry, but we'll have all of that loaded up to the website. I I had the opportunity um, that August was a bit slower at work so I could kind of divulge a bunch of time into it. And so my mornings were structured around write, spend an hour and a half writing the commentary and then I would do the post. And then if I had time in the afternoon, I'd write tomorrow's. And I got to a point where I had a week uh, where I had some free time and I got about three or four days ahead. And so I was able to just kind of uh, coast the last eight chapters of Romans. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot. That was a lot of material, man. 16 chapters of material. And you could probably do a lot more on that because you were kind of scaling it to kind of the Instagram format. Uh Uh-huh. Um, knowing that you would upload it, but still, I mean, it's, I mean, you could, well, I'm sure there are, there are writers that have done commentary that are like 
super thick books on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just considering that I took, you know, on average about seven verses per section and I wrote about a thousand words per seven verses. And I think the longest section I had was chapter 10 and I had 2,200 words in that section. Wow. And, and that was just trying to keep, like, keep it short mm-hmm. because I didn't need like 10 blocks on, you know, on a post and then everybody's like getting lost in what they're reading. So, yeah. Well, you know what? Now you have a roadmap. I you do. Could, you could do this on Undying Light. You yeah. Do, it could, could be something you come back and revisit next year. Yeah, um, for sure. Or do a Galatian study hint, hint for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just started a commentary book uh, on Galatians and uh, I just, I just actually finished it today. The, the actual book of Galatians, which um, I hadn't read in a while. And um, as I go through the commentary from John MacArthur, um, I'm going to go back through it again, the book, read along with it. Great stuff. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, there's so much you, I mean, not you miss, but so much more is revealed to you as you reread scripture. It just, it keeps giving it. That's, that's the truth. You know, and you can read a book, you know, in, in the Bible, uh, you know, one year and then come back and read it next year. And you're like, wow, this makes this all now makes more sense. Or this now helps me understand this. And, or this concept now is highlighted to me, or, you know, this really, this doctrine is really hitting hard. So it's, it's like every time you go through it, you have something new to pull out. You know, as you go back and you read books with the idea of, you know, we were going to talk a little bit about this, about interpretation, you know, proper Mm -hmm. interpretation of scripture. Um, What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And, and what does that mean? You know, we're talking about, okay, if you're reading through and look cross-referencing and then I guess the cross-referencing is scripture in light of scripture and understanding Mm -hmm. proper hermeneutics, right? Yeah, so I'll actually be taking a hermeneutics class this year, which will be really, really good for me. Um, and we've had hours long conversations on on just this topic, like on just interpretation, because, you know, it, it's it's not something that can be discussed in a single episode. And we're only going to pay it a few minutes of you know attention. But uh, really, you know, it, it's for those who are reading and trying to understand something, the, the first step that you should be looking at is what does this text do to me? Is this text convicting me of a sin? Mm-hmm. Is this text releasing me of a sin? And just to clarify, we're not talking about um, what does this text mean to me? Because that's not what it's about. It's not about what it means to me or our feelings about the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, especially when you read like the words of Christ, is Jesus convicting you of a sin from that text? And then, you know, if you want to really understand scripture, the contextual hermeneutics of it is just simply unpacking and looking at the text. Okay, so this is the audience that Jesus was speaking to us, his disciples or his apostles, these large crowds. What was the culture like in that time period? What were the people experiencing? Why were these people following Jesus? Why did, you know, uh, he make 
certain moves and, and change the pace of his conversations. And um, like case in point, so I'll be reading, uh, preaching a sermon this week on Matthew 18 verses 1 through 20. And so in Matthew 16, we close with Jesus foretelling his death and then Jesus telling his disciples to pick up his cross short, just after the instance where Peter says that he is the Messiah. And then Jesus rebukes Peter because Peter becomes his own stumbling block. Chapter 17 is the transfiguration, which <sighs> what bugs me about most uh, liturgy calendars is that they put Matthew 17 in a different time than you know they don't because they don't put it in with the, with the um like it wouldn't follow matthew 16 so they they put 16 and then they go to 18 and most people kind of gloss over 18 because it feels like it's just there's short choppy little blocks that jesus says and then people move on to the bigger stuff mm-hmm. and 18 matthew, has, matthew 18 who being the greatest right yeah that conversation yep Okay. And it's it's where Jesus basically tells his disciples that if you want to enter heaven, you have to humble yourself. Hmm. And MacArthur actually has done a really good sermon series on that chapter, which hmm. is, you know, some of the, the positions that I'm looking at to take in my sermon. Because John could preach for five hours on this over mm-hmm. the course of a month. I get 20 minutes in one week. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I have to I have to really be picky on, on my approach. But, you know, it's it's when we look at scripture, it's not a matter of what we want the scripture to say. Yeah. You know, I can't just look at it and say, okay, well, uh, I'm, I want it to say this, that, and the other. It's what is the reality of the scripture? What is it really telling me? And, you know, how can I take this and apply it to the person? You know, because I'm coming from a pastoral standpoint. Right. So how can I take this and make an application out of it and give it to my congregation to understand and then basically chew on for the week? Yeah, that's a good and point. So, and there's different ways to do that, obviously. But, you know, anytime we interpret scripture, it should never be a manner of self-driven ambition. Like, I wanted mm. to say this. And... I think you'd agree with me on this one is that a lot of churches these days are either removing or changing the meaning of the text to fit their narrative. Absolutely. Yep. And I'll give you a couple examples because they're fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, One popular uh, quote unquote female leader in the progressive movement. Her name is Jory Mitchell or Micah or whatever her last name is. Mitchell, I think Uh, she's big on Twitter. And she uh, loves to just, you know, hate on men. She's a feminist (laughs) and she preaches or preaches. And I use that word lightly and in air quotes from uh, in a church that's progressive. And she's a quote unquote female preacher. And when people confront her about what Paul says, she just either will brush it aside or she'll change the meaning of the text simply to say, well, that only applied to those who in that culture, of course. And you can't really do that yeah. with scripture. You can't say that it only applies to that particular audience because then you have to say, okay, well then who's the judge on what applies to us today and what doesn't. Exactly. 
And if it only applied to that audience, then why is it included in the canon of Scripture Mm -hmm. if we can't use it as application today? Yeah, well, God's Word is true. There can only be one possible meaning for each text. It's the same for us as it was for the original audience because the truth of that text, it doesn't change. So each of our settings are different today, which we live, um, which may cause the exact application to be different, but it's never, never the meaning um, that's going to change of the text of what God is, God's truth ever. And, you know, again, we could talk a little bit of application um, and what that means. Yes. So when we um, start to interpret scripture, the worst thing a Christian can do is isolate a text and draw doctrine out of it. Um, and what I've found in some circles is that people will cherry pick a single verse or single or two verses and then run with that as a, as a either the foundation or a supporting block to doctrine. Um, but in reality, what we need to understand is the meta narrative of scripture and not even just that but, and I said this a new, numerous times and as I wrote through Romans, um, is the meta narrative of the book, the chapter, you know, I, I wrote a lot of times that this theme carries on from this prior chapter. We see Paul continuing to talk about this. Um, we, we see this, you know, point highlighted back earlier in a previous chapter when we understand the text, it's understanding it in the, the entirety of its purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture isn't written in a single verse by single verse instance. Well, they didn't have the verses right. or the chapters. Exactly, yeah, because when they wrote, they were literally writing as letters. Right. Um, the, the chapters and verses were added much later. Right. And so we, we have to look at the letters in their entirety and then we can start to understand this overarching theme. You know, Paul goes through a lot of different themes in Romans, and we can't just pick out Romans 9 and just run with it. There's, the, there's a, an arch to why, you know, 9 is there, because it fits into this, this developing argument that Paul is addressing. So when we build on scripture and our understanding, it's, it's the, the worst thing a Christian can do, or even for that matter, a pastor can do is single out uh, a particular text and build doctrine. However, I should also say this too, because you know, any pastor and all pastors do this is you can look at a scripture for a supporting argument. So like, do uh, so. I preached a sermon Matthew 15 a couple of weeks ago, and I used a supporting verse from Exodus, um, and to to highlight God's mercy. Um, so you can you can do things like that, but that verse in Exodus doesn't build a doctrinal yeah. piece, right? Because there's greater context. Yeah, you're looking at God's mercy um, in that particular verse and how He extends mercy. So. When you're reading that particular verse, you can you can read and see uh, God is a merciful God, and you see that in other scriptures, His mercy um, is extended to to His people and to people yeah. His children. Mm-hmm. So you can walk away with right. that application. And this was just a single highlighted point of Him displaying that mercy. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, but I'm not going to use that verse as the only instance or the manner of the doctrine of mercy. Right. 
And, and that makes sense. So again, hermeneutics and interpretation is a complex topic. So um, on Undying Light, Paul did a lot of uh, episodes on hermeneutics. So I, I'd recommend listening to those. Yeah, those are excellent. Absolutely. Um, you can also, there's a, oh, what's that website? You sent me an email link. It's like bibletraining.org. Is that it? Yeah. Yep. So they have hermeneutics um, training classes for free. Um, check those out. It, and look, even if you're just a lay person, hermeneutical understanding is crucial to reading your Bible and interpreting it. Big time. <laughs> Big time. All right. So with all that said, we've got some questions all to right. go through. Rapid fire, right? Rapid fire. Ready, set, aim. If you had to choose a llama or an alpaca, what would you do? <laughs> what? Is this really, really a question for real? <laughs> it's really one of the questions, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What would you pick? You tell me. Uh, I would t- totally do an, a llama. Yeah. I'd alpaca go spit, man. I don't want that. Yeah, I'd go with llama. No. For sure. Yeah. Llama all the way, dude. Okay, I got one for you. All right. Uh, yeah, fire. All right. All right. Can a Christian play a video game? Yes. Yes. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I play video games, so. I do too. And yeah. granted, we're adults and we can filter things out and yeah, yeah and work through these things. But uh, absolutely, there are games that I don't want my kids to play, my kids, my kids to see. Um, and I think. Right. Yeah, right. I think that's the same that you, you know, as, as an adult, you, I mean, why get wrapped up in these type of games where. It's yep. just straight up um, violence and cursing and, um, you know, things related to sex that I think you, you yep. need to stay away from just because those are the things of the world. And there are bad things. Gore and mayhem. Gore and mayhem. Exactly. I mean, yep. you know, it just depends. I think you just need to be prudent. You need to make sure it's not a stumbling block, like I said. Yep. And um, it doesn't impact you in a negative way that's going to create all these thoughts that will lead you down the wrong path. I think ultimately that's the best advice. Um, all right. Favorite theologian. Favorite theologian. Um, wow. That's a tough one. Um, I would say I'd have to go with uh, uh-huh. right now. John MacArthur. Oh yeah. No, I like MacArthur. Uh, uh, dead favorite theologian. Hmm. That is a tough one. I would have to say J.C. Ryle. Ooh, yeah. interesting choice. Yeah. yeah, and I also would say J.I. Packer, now that he's passed on, I think J.I. Packer, yeah. yeah, he was awesome. He really yeah, was. Packer was solid. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough it's a tough question, man, to really narrow it down because, like, uh, I love Odie Bauckham. I think I, oh, I, love yeah. his pa- I love his passion that he preaches with. Yep. He's an intelligent man, and he does not. He's like MacArthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just doesn't care what you think yeah. nope. about scripture. He's just going to just tear into you. All right. So. Okay. I got one for you. Does God still have a plan for the nation of Israel? I think that's a good question. <laughs> I was looking <laughs> at that one. Yeah. Uh, yes. Paul writes about it in Romans and that plan is Christ. Mm. Boom. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would say God definitely has a plan for the nation of Israel. Uh, we were grafted in to God's plan. Yeah, Paul writes about it in, I think, 11? 
one of those 11 mm-hmm. or 12 it talks about the remnant. Um, and it, here's the interesting thing that I found in my study. Nobody knows if the remnant is, um, if that number is an exact number, mm-hmm. um, or if it's a number that is only going to be present at the end of times. Cause Paul's technically writing that in a eschatological manner. Yeah. So is it, you know, do we see the Jews get, you know, some Jews are getting saved throughout time. And then and when Christ comes, then of the nation of Israel, those 7,000 will be saved. We don't know. Mm. It's, not, it's not really clear by Paul's writing and anything else we add to that is man's interpretation and it's pure speculation. Uh, yep. Perry, that's what we do with eschatology. It's right. all yep. speculation. We don't know if the rapture is going to happen today, tomorrow yep. or, or never could possibly. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Tune in for that. Uh, this be pre pre millennialism that comes out Friday. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, I recorded that and then I went through, and I took your advice and I cleared mm-hmm. uh, a couple sections out mm-hmm. and re readdressed some of the topics in it. And hopefully I explained it a little bit clearer on some of the stuff. Cause it, mm-hmm. I, I was listening to it the other morning and I'm like, boy, this sounds terrible. Dude. I even, I can't, I can't follow my logic. Yeah. But I was trying to say, and so I cleaned it up. And so hopefully mm-hmm. it's good for all y'all good. who want to hear it. I think it's a it's a touchy subject eschatology, and we just have to be mindful about how we say and, things. And, and I feel bad about this series, and I'll and I'll admit this. So when um, I did the first three, death, heaven, and hell, you were on heaven with me, and I thought those three episodes were ex- or just were just amazing episodes. I loved recording every one, single one of those. And, and then I get to these four and I'm like, my brain is just melting with trying to build this case. Now the amillennialist or what you'll find out on that episode is called revealed eschatology. Um, that episode I thought went really well. And I thought the post millennialist episode went really well. Well, and post and amillennialist, I mean, they're basically the same and they're, uh, very similar yes yeah very close very similar yep and i know a lot of people like to poke fun from the reform camp at the pre-dispensational yeah pre-dispensational um there's different camps um but again we don't know it's all speculation Mm -hmm. i mean we can look at text and look at the hermeneutics and how things um we look at things but i just you know nothing is set in stone it does not say specifically what's going to happen right yeah, you know, and the other thing too, as we understand these, is uh, there's there could be right things in all four of the categories. Yeah, and and all four can kind of mold into one, and that could be a view. I don't know. So yeah, yep, it could be a dispy historical uh, millennialist. And as I I stressed on all these episodes, it's all based upon your hermeneutic. It's how you interpret the scripture how you read into it and understand the text it will will constitute greatly to how you view the end of times. So with all of that said, uh, we have a voice question yep. that we have had submitted to us. Yep. Uh, this question comes from Carl. 
Greetings. So um, I was reading Matthew twenty four thirteen, and I was wondering, since it says, "But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved," if that goes against or contradicts the doctrine of the once saved always saved, if it's saying that we have to endure unto the end. Mm, that's a good question. It is a good question. Yeah. I'm going to bring up some notes on it right quick. Um, which uh, so you can all, yeah, I get his argument because that's something that a lot of people um don't want to um face the fact is is that you could potentially lose your salvation yeah some people some people believe you can and Mm -hmm. and and i think then it becomes a works system to not lose your salvation if you're that you know if you're clinging to it that much yeah because your works won't save you um let me get my text all brought up here matthew 24 talks about um it's the signs of the end of the age um, and the foretelling of the destruction of the temple. So overall, um, yeah. he does mention the those who will endure during this time of uh, during the end of the yep. age. And what you're seeing is this whole text is um, actually on signs of the end of the age. And so exactly. there's a bigger context because that's what we always stress not using a single verse to build or defend a piece of doctrine. So the ESV study Bible, which I have come to heavily rely upon of late, um, pulls these two notes out of 13. First of all, it says about the end, um, because it says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Uh, And either the end of the uh, persecution when the Son of Man returns, and it cites 10.23, Matthew 10.23 there, or the end of one's life. Because, again, we don't know what Jesus is actually saying, whether it's the end of the age, the end of persecution, the end of times when Jesus returns, or simply the end of one's life. Uh, The second note is we'll be saved, and it's not from physical death, which Jesus will clarify in upcoming uh, verses 21 through 22, but from divine wrath and human persecution to experience the full blessing and peace of, uh, of salvation when Jesus returns. Yeah. Yeah, John MacArthur's notes on Matthew 24, 12 through 13, actually, um, he says, those who do fall away from Christ give conclusive proof that they were never truly believers to begin with, 1 John uh, 2, 19. Right. Um, and I think we can look at... Matthew twenty four thirteen, and see yep. that he's talking about uh, those who are truly born again and whose lives are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gradually moves us to Christ's likeness. It's Second Corinthians three eighteen. We can cite. It's what we learn as um, progressive sanctification. I know you have thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> um, our godliness is. I mean, it is it is in fact progressive over a lifetime of following Christ and. Mm. Of course, I mean, Scripture is clear. We're not saved out of our own works. It, it, but the genuine repentance is an interchange of the heart, and that will produce new behavior. Um, it produces fruit. Um, it's just they go hand in hand. And I think enduring to the end is a work of the Holy Spirit. Those who, who have been truly given to Christ, they belong to Jesus, and they're truly in Jesus. They will withstand the attack of wickedness, uh, the identity and anything that resembles false teaching, they hold fast to God's word, the truth. So, again, I think that's 
through our lifetime, our walk. Yep. It's a progress. Yeah, it's a progressive. Um, it's a progress progressive sanctification. It's that process. And yeah, you know, we've talked about. This. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on progressive <laughs> sanctification, but that's a different episode. Come on, come <laughs> Spoiler on! Spoiler alert! <laughs> you always say that you have to. You have to tell, talk about this. You always because you want to get it out of me, don't you? Yeah, you always say this. <laughs> so, what do you mean? What are we talking about? T- tune in next time, ladies and gentlemen. No. <laughs> no. Uh, so come on. Um, so we have to understand what does sanctification mean in a mm-hmm. biblical context. And then we have to understand what does it mean and what's the man, what's man's responsibility. So what is sanctification, right? It's the process of becoming more holy in light, more like Christ. Right. Like Christ. How do you do that? It's not by your works because right you and yourself are not capable of doing the work. Agree. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are essentially progressing. Now, this is where I'm probably going to differ from a lot of mainstream Calvinists and a lot of mainstream um, evangelicals today. I don't think sanctification has anything to do with your works. I don't think it has a thing to do with how often you read the Bible. I don't think your sanctification has anything to do with how much you uh, pray Mm -hmm. or how good of works you do for your neighbor. I'm going to clarify that and then we can discuss it. Okay. Yeah. Because I have some questions regarding what you just said. So, um, yeah. What I was, what I'm referring to is from this perspective of, um, when I look at my sanctification, it's the under it's it's two natures. It's the daily uh, ability to kill the old self in me, the old Adam. And that's what Paul writes about in Romans. You put to death the old Adam, and that's a, the daily grind that all Christians face. And when you do that, then you can live your life righteously because you now because you have that imputed righteousness. That's the the sinner and saint. I wrote about that in Romans as well. The dual nature that all of us carry. We progress forward with that um, going forward. But each day we have to kill the old Adam. Otherwise, we trip up and fall into sin. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think that mm-hmm. it's a dying to yourself daily, um, dying to your sin nature daily because it never goes away, this side of heaven. We're going to continue to be sinners, and mm-hmm. you are saving yourself daily. Mm-hmm. Not daily. you, but I think you're being saved by— From sin. From sin, by yeah. by mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the idea of sanctification— is again it's 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 something you go through throughout your whole mm-hmm. christian walk and it's not by your works it's by and through the holy spirit and what he's done creating a new creature in you a new heart you have so you're no longer drawn mm-hmm. to these things you look at these these sinful patterns and behaviors mm-hmm. and they they turn you off you don't want to go back to the vomit overall and granted, you're still can be mm-hmm. tempted by 
these types of things. But overall, mm-hmm. you look at the old sin nature and like you said, you kill it, you despise it. Sure. Right. Um, so I think I think overall, I mean, the, the, right. the idea of praying and reading the Bible, it it feeds you. And yes, those things don't save you, but it feeds mm-hmm. your soul. You need to be fed. Yep. And yep. if you're not fed, I mean, and you're not longing for those things, I think that you mm-hmm. you got to wonder, okay, where, where where am I falling? I mean, look at what Jesus said about a tree bearing fruit. I mean, he was very, very clear. You, If a branch is not bearing the fruit, you, you cut it off. You cut it off. A, you know, a... A dead branch will not produce fruit. So I think the idea of progressive sanctification is something that is just, it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's not, again, it's, it has nothing to do with what you can do, but it's everything. It has everything to do with what the Holy Spirit is working in your life, in your heart, to mm-hmm. reveal himself. And how does he reveal himself? Through the Word of God. And that's why we get into the Word of God, and that's why we... We listen to pastors, godly pastors, sound biblical teachers. That's what we need to do as we're walking mm-hmm. through our Christian walk. Yep. And so when I when I said that your sanctification doesn't matter uh, upon you praying or mm-hmm. uh, reading scripture, yeah. the clarifying aspect, and I, you nailed it just right, and, and I want to build upon what you were saying is, when you had that desire, it wasn't because you were trying to do something to earn God's favor. Right. When you read scripture, it's because you are driven by the Holy Spirit. And look, there's going to be Christians that are convicted to read scripture 10 chapters a day until they die. There's going to be Christians that read the Bible once a year until they die. There's going to be Christians that read it once every five years, but they pick up and they just look at a little bit of text every day or every five days. But they go to church and they're still, you know, and they believe in Christ and they're faithful Christians. Your mm-hmm. conviction level is going to be different based upon the way God uses you in whatever situation you're in in life. You know, yeah. for for a pastor, the 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 weight, the you know, and I I draw the analogy of a millstone around our neck, even though Christ uses that in reflect in reflection to death. I put that weight of understanding scripture at a heightened level for a pastor because we have to be able to address scripture, you know, in a different fashion than a lay person does. And so when you pray and when you read scripture and you're doing it because you feel convicted to pray, you feel like you are drawn to pray. Oh, you know what? This, this, my aunt came on my mind all of a sudden and i feel like i just need to pray for her that's the holy spirit putting that into your conscience to pray in that moment or you know when you feel down and depressed and you like you know what maybe i'll just flip open and bible and see where it lands that's god the holy spirit putting that on you so the the issue i think with sanctification especially in the reform circles is that they put this weight on on doing those actions they create a ladder theology now in, in saying that, well, if you're not reading your Bible and you're not praying, then you're not being sanctified or you're not, you're, or are you really growing as a Christian? And they put these weights and these, and these obstacles in front of you that, you know, now have created a law 
around you having to do these things in order to be a Christian. Yeah, I think overall there are some people um, that put stock in how much you're reading, how much you're studying, how much you go to church, and that's part – it can get tangled up in – you know, that's part of salvation. But I think for the most part, you know, at least within this camp, mm-hmm. that is not what we're saying. I, I think it's it's crazy. It's like the IFB guy, you know, who was uh, hammering me um, that we subscribe to a works-based salvation. We, we don't. We absolutely do not. And that's the thing. It's all about, um, you know, from grace – from the grace of God, we put our we've put our faith in Christ alone, and that is what salvation is about. Mm-hmm. Not about anything, how much we pray, anything we do. Uh, again, that's that's Roman Catholicism. That's uh, these other sects where yeah. they basically put so much weight on what you're doing. It's it's not about that. I mean, but but clearly, before right. I put faith in Christ, I, I, there was there was nothing. That w- I was not drawn to open scripture. I was not drawn to seek out these pastors that are so rich yep. in, yeah, in what they are expounding mm-hmm. upon from scripture. I had no drive whatsoever, and I thought I was a Christian, and I clearly wasn't. It, I, you know, I was a, had set faith, but now I am just I'm drawn to want to learn and to listen to these pastors and to read scripture and to read other books about the faith so I can grow in my faith. And that is so exciting. That's an exciting feeling. I mean, just even being a part mm-hmm. of this podcast, it's something I would have never thought I would have ever be doing. I'm blessed to do it. Um, but again, it's just low, uh, learning and growing. And that all comes from the drive of the Holy Spirit that that he's he drives That's us. True. Right. He drives us to scripture. He drives us to godly pastors. It's exciting. It really is. Right. Absolutely. And it, again, it's not anything that has to do with what we do as Christians. It's all based upon the work of Christ. And you know, and so to to highlight quickly the second part to what I was saying on the sanctification piece is the is that it's not only is it putting to death the old you it's um understanding your position and justification it's understanding who you are in light of god's work that he's done for you and it's you understanding the fact that you have to kill yourself daily not physically you know like don't don't really kill yourself but you know you have to kill the old spirit of sin in you so and it's it's a complex topic and it's not it's not something that you know i think anybody can really hammer out yeah you know in a very short episode we've only been talking about it 10 minutes yeah and uh yeah so Radical Wretch has a question, saving faith versus sanctifying faith. J.C. Ryle on holiness, I think that's a great segue um, into the question mm-hmm. because we've been talking about sanctification. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's both in the sense that um, saving faith, obviously, it's through faith in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sanctification um, 
through faith in the Holy Spirit. It's something that's happening daily. It's what gets us through. My, I rely on the Holy Spirit to get me through what I need to endure yep. in this life. Yep. Sin is going to present itself this side of heaven. And I can only rely not on what I can do. Yep. I can't resist it. It's what the Holy Spirit is, the work he's doing inside of me. And that's really all I can rely on, period. Yep. And, um, you know, if I want to go back to that question really quick. So I'm going to look at it. But I would completely agree with you. And I'm sure you guys can hear my daughter yelling in the background. She's watching her favorite doggy show or something. Kids obsessed with dogs. Um, so saving faith versus sanctifying faith. So again, I think that goes back to what we were just talking about with, you know, sanctification, you know, the faith itself comes from hearing God's word preached. That's what Paul clarifies in Romans 10. And we see that evidenced in all of scripture with hearing God's promise made to Abraham, Abraham believed it and it was, uh, it was attested to him. Is that the right word? Uh, It was accounted to him as righteousness. Accounted to Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, so we see that evidenced all through scripture that when God speaks, the hearer is given faith through the words of God, whether it's, you know, Abraham or Moses or the prophets up to Christ speaking to his disciples. I mean, you see that as Christ tells the fishermen to drop their nets, come follow me. He tells the tax collectors to come follow him. When he preaches, the crowds follow him because he is speaking out and those who he has deemed i don't want to say worthy because that's not the right word but those who god has foreknew predestined to be saved from the beginning of time will hear his word acknowledge his word accept his word and then respond in faith and so we have to understand too that even through faith man still has responsibility we're not just mindless robots that are christian we have responsibility and that's where this sanctifying faith comes into place. And I think that's where this whole conversation for the last 20 minutes is starting to come around to Mm -hmm. is we have a responsibility to carry on our lives and to do good works because see, now that you've been saved, now that you have this faith, now that you have the Holy spirit in you going forward and doing these works, isn't, a command that is restricted to you. It's a freeing command. And what I mean by that is, is that you go and do these works for your neighbor. You're not doing them to earn the merit of God. You're doing it to display the love of God. Yeah. That's spot on. And what you get out of all that is you have the freedom to, you know, to, to demonstrate God's love for you and all of this. Okay. Yeah. So when we talk faith, you know, there's, we have to pin it under the fact that faith is, is, is a gift given to us just like grace, right? Faith is given to us. It's not something we cultivate. 
you don't get the ability to cultivate something that you don't have. Um, so faith is given to us through the spoken word of God. That's the only way you can get faith. You do not become a Christian by witnessing somebody else's works. Because you can see, um, for instance, if you're a sinner or if you're in sin, you're a reprobate, you've not, you don't know who Christ is, you never stepped foot into a church. And then you see Bill Gates or Oprah Winfrey doing these these you know extravagant things to feed the hungry and make vaccines because you know that's what you know microsoft uh gurus do nowadays right the whole different conspiracy theory tangent yeah <laughs> but you, you see these good works that's not going to bring you to christ absolutely not none of that brings none you to christ it. yep yeah hearing somebody preach the word of god is what brings people to Christ. That's all it is. Completely. That's it. Yeah. And Paul's talking about that uh, in the book of Galatians. It was people had snuck in um, yeah. to add to the gospel. And Paul was saying, no, that it's it's through Christ yeah, alone. Exactly. So, I mean, day by day, we are relying on the Holy Spirit to to sanctify us and to... Uh, help us endure to the end. He's the only one that can do it. Yep. That's it. So that's, that's it. It's he, the, the faith is given to us so that we have the endurance right. to make it through because without God giving us that faith, we would fall away quickly. Absolutely. We would absolutely fall away. And I mean, we're bent to sin right? outside of Christ, yep. outside of the body of Christ without Christ in our lives we that's what we gravitate towards is sinning the sinful things in this life Mm -hmm. and we need we need Christ to write us absolutely and and, I mean I struggle with anger yeah I do too and without the Holy Spirit to kick you in the butt right right to that's what keeps me straight that's what keeps me on course mm-hmm. it keeps me yearning to stay in the word to grow in my faith to listen to different pastors again yep. it's all relying on the holy spirit through it all through my walk in faith the side of the side of heaven i i i can do nothing without the holy spirit now otherwise i fall back to my old self to the old vomit i go to <laughs> i think paul washer has a great an- yep. analogy about that, um, and we weren't meant for that. Once, once we put our faith in Christ, we're meant for greater things, and those greater things are revealed to us when we are in prayer, when we're in the whole, mm-hmm. we're, when we're in Scripture. The Holy Spirit guides us um, through the Word, so it's a great right. thing. Yeah, it, it's just a wonderful thing to rely exactly. on. Exactly, and so the, I guess the the biggest thing to really kind of convey out of this is don't. Don't let your ability to keep a reading plan mm-hmm. discourage you. Yeah. Because you're not going to do it perfectly. Now, earlier this year um, and, and, and most of last year, I set a 90-day reading plan. So all of last year and the first half of this year, I read the Bible a total of six times. Mm. And I haven't read it since then. I haven't read it since, I think, June end of june now i've read uh the the pentateuch twice since june but that's a different story um, i'm getting ready to go into school so i won't read it during school time 
Um, I might listen to it on Audible, but the thing is, is don't beat yourself up over your ability to, you know, pray for, you know, 15 times a day or you only pray three times a day. Yeah. You know, don't, don't get wrapped up in that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And we know Roman Catholics do that. We know Muslims yeah. do that. Um, and plenty of other re- religions, it's all works-based and it's yep. only through Christ, uh, that we are saved clearly. It's yep. scripture points to it. And another thing is you will reap what you sow. So if you're sowing things like you're in prayer, you're in worship, you're reading your Bible, you are going to reap the benefits. You will be blessed. God works through the Holy Spirit through right. that. Exactly. And exactly. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just, I was going to add more to that because it's just like you said, you can't, you can't neglect it and expect you to learn more and grow in Christ. You know, the other aspect too is to really challenge yourself with, you know, especially with like going to church and stuff. Jesus, who is the son of God in the flesh, still went to temple. The man who knew everything shows up to temple, even though he goes up, reads Old Testament, says, ah, this is fulfilled now. And then walked away. That is the fact that what Christ did on earth is what we should be doing. And and look, again, life happens and we get it. So if life becomes a, don't let, for one, don't let life be a stumbling block. Don't make it an excuse, especially with COVID. Don't let COVID be your excuse for not going to church if your church is open. If you're fearful, I get it, but do yourself a favor and still get into fellowship, get into your church, read your Bible, grow, and don't allow the world to hinder your relationship with Christ. Because like you said, you reap what you sow, and if you're sowing the seed by reading, then you're going to learn and grow in Christ. But again, to the other side, to the to the other extreme of that, don't allow those things to become requirements that you must uphold to. Otherwise, you're going to get burned out. Yeah, and Paul never said, you know, he's, you should abolish the law at, at all. I mean, and Jesus said in yeah. Matthew five seventeen, yeah. "Do not think I came to abolish no, the law mm-hmm. or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill it." So, I mean, it, it's it's throughout the New Testament. There's, right. there's nowhere. Right. There's nowhere that says abolish the law. It, they go hand in hand. I mean, it's it's part of these are God's moral yeah. laws, their structure. And you can read that in James uh, 2 8. So it's just they shouldn't be the idol. I mean, we're not saved through these, uh, you know, following the law or, or or those types of things. But it is bearing the mm-hmm. fruit. It absolutely you're bearing fruit. Um when you're a changed yep. individual, you're transformed, um, and you know what you you want to hold to God's law. You long for that. That's um, that's part of it. That's part of the change, which I think is crazy and amazing. And people make it so complicated. They do. Yep. They do. Yep. And the other thing too is Jesus wasn't a socialist or communist or yeah you know, or any of that. Jesus is God. Yep. And if you don't obey Jesus and repent of your sins and turn to him for salvation, you will uh, burn in hell. Yeah. He wasn't a punk rocker or revolutionary. Now, if you want to know all about hell, check out the Undying Light episode on hell with the Bible dingers. Those guys really did a great job. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Fantastic episode. (laughs) That's another segue. But 
Uh, man, I, I think we killed this episode. We uh, definitely really hashed out a lot on sanctification. Mm-hmm. And, and look, if you guys want us to talk more about it, we're more than welcome to. Because these are the ty- these are the conversations that Anthony and I have like on a regular basis. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly what we talk about. You know, and it's this type of talk, the topics, right? I, yeah. What did we talk about the other night? It was like a couple of weeks ago. It was like two and a half hours, and it was just, it was we were, we were all over the spectrum. I think. Yeah. I, we, yeah, it was Bible interpretation. It, it was all over the place. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and so we talked all about you know the early church fathers. We talked about the Reformation. We talked about modern church. We talked about scripture and how it looks. And we talked you know then we brought out highlights around the Lord's Supper and baptism. Mm-hmm. And we talked all of these things. And it was like a two and a half hour conversation. It was a great conversation. And, yeah. And you know and us having this conversation now is literally what it's almost like when we have a regular phone call. Yeah, and that's the great thing about the show. We say it a lot. Um, it's just conversation like yeah. you'd be having with. Uh, somebody at your church or even DM or you know whatever it is so um, it's it's edifying and we grow and we grow together mm-hmm. and that's what it's about so here's here's the um, the, the mic uh, the, the, the breaking news announcements if you follow Undying Light I now have t-shirts and hoodies available for you to purchase and I will be making that known when we drop this episode. So I got a, I got a new, the new logo updated and you will see that reflected on the podcast and all that actually looks good. And uh, so that will be available once we drop this episode for all people. So that's awesome. That's good news, man. Very cool. Yeah. I'm very excited. I've been busting my tail the last couple of weeks to get that done. Yeah. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if Anthony has nothing else, I am going to wrap the show and hope you've enjoyed this back and forth rambling about topics. Um, All right, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. God bless. Take care. We'll see you um, eh, probably the 15th. We don't know yet. We haven't decided when we're (laughs) going to drop. Yeah, you know, this uh, September is kind of in a train wreck right now, and we haven't even started. (laughs) So, all right, guys. God bless. We'll see you. God bless. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.